I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. 48,000 University of California employees have walked off the job this week to call for higher wages and better benefits. It's being called the largest strike in the history of U.S. higher education, and it spanned the 10 campuses of the UC system up and down the state. They danced and chanted at UC Riverside, gathered on Library Walk at my alma mater, UC San Diego, flexed the strength of their union at UCLA, and here in the Bay, thousands of workers convened at UC Berkeley's Sproul Plaza. The strikers make up the backbone of the UC system, but many of them can't even afford to live near campus or pay their bills. They're researchers, postdocs, teaching assistants, and graders who all hold critical roles that help make the UC schools some of the top universities in the world. For a long time, American universities have relied on academic workers for relatively little pay, and now they're pushing back. Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle reporter Nanette Asimov shares why this UC strike is so significant and how striker demands are highlighting the treatment of academic workers, not only at UCs, but across the country. Later, I'll be joined by Ken Jacobs. He's a labor specialist and the chair of UC Berkeley's Center for Labor Research and Education. He'll share how the UC strikes are part of a national groundswell of labor organizing. Unions are more popular than they've been in decades. Worker strikes have successfully achieved their demands. What's been happening on a larger scale? Let's start with Chronicle reporter Nanette Asimov. Nanette, thanks for being here. This strike is happening at all UC campuses just a few weeks away from finals. How disruptive is it expected to be? Well, the union is hoping it's going to be very disruptive. And I think The most disruptive for students is going to be that about 40% of the striking workers, 19,000 people up and down the state, are the teaching assistants, tutors, graduate students who teach and grade their papers. And so it's worth noting that a large portion of these classes and labs and discussion groups are taught by graduate student instructors, GSIs. So it's, it's going to be, you know, very disruptive. But some of them are taking pity on their students and posting recorded lessons for them. And in this era of remote learning, you know, they have a bunch of options like that, but they're not good long-term substitutes. Some students told me that their own professors are suspending classes in solidarity with the striking student workers. Mm. Now, this is happening across all 10 UC campuses. This is obviously a very coordinated effort. Tell me, who are the strikers represented by? Which unions are involved? So it's one union. All 48,000 strikers are represented by the United Auto Workers. But within that, there's four groups of academics bargaining for four separate contracts with UC. So we have Local 2865, which are the ones I just mentioned, the 19,000 teaching assistants and GSIs and tutors. Another 17,000 are student researchers, and they don't have a union local yet because they've never negotiated a contract with UC, but they joined the union a year ago, and this is their first time. The final local, 5810, has two bargaining units, and these are 5,000 academic researchers, including those at UCSF, for instance, who study diseases, 
and another 7,000 postdoctoral researchers who've been negotiating with UC the longest for a year and have reached no agreement. You were at UC Berkeley's Sproul Hall on Monday, and I know protesters were chanting things like fair contract now. Tell me about the demands you heard. What are these employees asking for, and what are their chief complaints? You will not be surprised to learn that compensation is the biggest issue by far. UC teaching assistants earn $24,000 a year, I'm told. And those jobs on paper are half-time positions. But the students that I spoke to said they work far more than half-time. They couldn't do what they do in just half-time. So for these employees and for the graduate student researchers, the union is asking a minimum of $54,000 a year. And that's a figure based on the median cost of housing in the state with future raises tied to housing costs. They pay a high percentage of their earnings in rent because it's so costly in the Bay Area. I also talked to two graduate student researchers in chemistry who both said they work 60 hours a week for $38,800 a year. And they're not allowed Mm. to seek outside employment. And one of them, Michael Doherty, told me that the extent of research across UC just wouldn't be possible without graduate students. And he complained that some full professors are making like up to $600,000 a year, and these guys can't barely afford rent. Another researcher told me that he pays $1,400 a month to rent uh, one bedroom within somebody's larger apartment, which is turns out to be 60% of his income. Mm-hmm. From the university's point of view, they say that the student workers really are being fairly compensated because not only are, are they technically not full-time, but they're getting a degree out of the deal. They haven't shared with me uh, the details of what they're offering, but they said yesterday that they're offering something competitive with what their counterparts at the top private schools like Harvard are getting. Now, you've touched on this already, but the UC really does rely on these workers quite a bit, especially to produce the kind of academic research that makes it distinct as a public university institution. This is also just really hitting the UC where they're most vulnerable, which is these workers are sort of the backbone of these institutions. Is that right? They really are. I don't have the specific numbers, but I think everybody agrees that the answer is very heavily relied on. (laughs) Like I Mm -hmm. talked to a first-year chemistry student yesterday, K.K. Wynn, and she said that, you know, her professor lectures three times a week, but it's to a lecture hall of more than a thousand students. So she didn't feel comfortable raising her hand and asking the questions. And so it's the graduate student instructor's who hold weekly discussion classes and they run the labs that they teach, that's where she said most of her learning takes place. So that's one student. You can multiply that, you know, across the entire UC. And I think you'll hear very similar stories about how important these student employees are. Nanette, I'm also sort of struck by the vulnerability of these academic workers here. You know, they themselves need recommendations from their professors in the future. Their own degrees are at stake. It seems like they're willing to sacrifice a lot in order to send out a strong message. Are they also motivated to just make change for all academic workers across the country? I think they would say they they stand in solidarity with everybody in their position. And they don't have tenure. You know, when you talk about vulnerability, you're talking about people who unlike full professors who can do and say whatever they want because they're protected by tenure. 
These employees are not, so they are going out on a limb. Professors, full professors, are largely on their side. Mm. They remember Mm. being in the same position as these students are, and they can really relate. Among the strikers are these researchers who bring in millions of dollars in grant money up and down the state for for the university. And that's another of their arguments. Hey, we do this for you. Compensate us is, is what I've heard say. Now, you're mentioning faculty support. What about students? I mean, with finals around the corner, I'm sure some of them might be worried about how this is impacting their academic studies. What have you heard from the larger student population? Well, you know, I was wandering around campus and I could not find one student who didn't support them. And I think it's because UC students absolutely love a good protest. It's in their DNA. But one thing I should say is that was just day one. So let's, you know, that could really change as they are not able to get maybe the tutoring that they need or the support somehow that they need. There's a lot of support, though. So then how are discussions expected to go now? Is there a sense of how long these employees are willing to strike for? I think they're going for the long term. They kind of have the upper hand at the university right now because so much really is dependent on them. I was told that the the university really wants to bring in a third-party mediator to push the discussions along, and the union knows that that they don't have to do that. They can just hold the university hostage in a way. So they're saying, no, 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 let's just keep negotiating. No third-party mediator is needed. I think they really do feel that they have the upper hand. Whether that's the case, I, I don't know, but I think they're willing to go for the long haul here. Mm. Nanette, thank you so much for your reporting. I appreciate you sharing it with me. It's a pleasure. Nanette Asimov covers higher education at The Chronicle. Find her story about the employee strike across the UC system at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. After a quick break, Ken Jacobs, the director of UC Berkeley's Labor Center, will join me. He doesn't represent UC Berkeley's management. He's a labor specialist who will explain union organizing and labor actions that have been happening across the country and how this UC strike reflects a larger trend. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Ken Jacobs is a labor expert and directs the UC Berkeley Center for Labor Research and Education. His own employees are also on the picket line. He doesn't represent UC Berkeley management. And he joins me now to talk about what's going on on his campus, as well as other labor organizing efforts across the country. Ken, thanks for being here. So UC academic employees are demanding things that sound pretty similar to what other workers are asking for in other industries, higher wages and improved working conditions. What's unique about this particular organized effort on all 10 UC campuses right now? Well, this is the largest academic strike in U.S. history. 98% of the workers voted to strike, and it had extraordinarily high turnout in terms of the number of the share workers who voted. And pay is a big issue, and you know, this is especially difficult in California with the extraordinary cost of housing. So 
along with the demands for higher pay, we're seeing demands for greater support and subsidies for childcare. Graduate students right now for working 20 hours a week earn $24,000 a year. And Mm. so it really is a, a crisis issue for people. We have high numbers of academic workers across the UC system who have to rely on food support or go hungry. This mm-hmm. is graduate students, postdoctoral students, academic researchers, and that's you know across all the various kinds of areas of study from sciences, humanities, social sciences. So it's pretty impressive the level of, of support and solidarity that, that we're seeing out there. Now, Ken, a recent survey found that nearly 70 percent of Americans approve of labor unions, which is one of the highest approval points since the mid-1960s. How is this current labor action reflecting what's happening at large, the sort of atmosphere for unions right now? Well, so overall, we're seeing a big increase in support for unions, an uptake in organizing activity and union elections, uh, more workers wanting to be in and and join unions. And then, of course, we've had a number of recently strikes or unions that got very close to striking. So there is a big increase in interest in unions. Mm -hmm. I've been at UC for 20 years now. And in that time, we've never had a time where we had this much student interest in labor. And UCs really rely quite heavily on academic workers, graduate students to produce the kind of research that sets it apart as one of the best public institutions in the world. How strong do you think their bargaining power is in this moment? Well, I think having 40,000 workers who are really the backbone of the university out on strike has a big impact. All of them play a vital role in the research at a premier research institution. So I think they do have leverage in this fight. And it's been interesting to see how it's been viewed and played in in, in the press. I mean, there was a editorial in the Los Angeles Times that really strongly upheld the workers and what they're fighting for. That's also somewhat new in mm-hmm. the time that I've been here, seeing that level of public support as as workers go on strike. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone's been feeling, you know, in some way, shape, or form, the pressures of the economic situation right now. And it also feels like this is an opportunity to really highlight what that is for graduate students and for academics specifically in these really challenging economic times, right? I mean, this is about raising awareness for all academic workers across the country. Oh, absolutely. And we have see- seen... an in a number of universities recently, the graduate students were able to to achieve decent contracts. That has been an area of in, increased organizing in recent years. The graduate students are squeezed on both ends. The, the fees keep going up. And then when they work as graduate student researchers, they get fee remission, but not for professional fees or not for international students. They're being charged more and more. And then on the other hand, the pay they get for the work that they do beyond the the basic fee remission just isn't enough to meet basic needs. It also feels like, Ken, that this moment might be encouraged by the recent groundswell of labor organizing. Some strikes have been quite successful. I was particularly struck by SFO airport food workers being able to raise their hourly wages by $5 this past October 
Is the motivation to strike kind of contagious? Absolutely. I think that there's no question that the graduate students and and academic researchers at UC are seeing what's happening else out there in the world. And, and, you know, they see what happened with the teacher strikes uh, prior to the pandemic. They see the organizing that's going on at Amazon and Starbucks and the grocery workers uh, strike. So I think the organizing is contagious. And I think when, when workers see others go out, strike and win, that also raises their expectations of what is possible to achieve and therefore, you know, what they're willing to do to achieve it. Mm-hmm. And with this high general approval rate of unions, successful actions recently, do you think union bargaining power generally is stronger than ever? Or is that just hard to generalize, maybe? Well, I think worker bargaining power is stronger at this moment. We have had a a, a labor market where workers have more options, and that has enabled workers to bargain better. When jobs don't pay enough or conditions are bad at jobs, the the two options workers have are, are voice or exit. And so we saw last year workers leaving jobs and looking for jobs that paid more. And you can only do that in a good labor market. Mm-hmm. Uh, or voice, which is the other side. And so by joining together in solidarity, they have a the, the power to win and, and to make change. Now, you've cited some examples of other kinds of organizing happening at corporations like Amazon, Starbucks. What are you sort of keeping your eye out on as someone who looks at labor so closely? What trends are you paying attention to? Maybe what industries are you looking at? Well, I think there's been a lot of interesting things happening in the around retail, which is an area where we had seen a real reduction in unionization and in organizing in over the last 20 years. And I think the other thing we're really watching is in a labor market that's been good for workers, we've seen this big increase in interest in organizing as the Federal Reserve Bank is raising interest rates and we could start seeing the unemployment rate go up. What happens at that point? Mm -hmm. Does this trend continue will be the big question. Do you think unions are changing their strategy in this sort of groundswell movement that we're seeing, or is there just more action being taken? There are some big changes. Part of that is so much of what's bubbling up is really coming up from the shop floor, from workers deciding that they want to get together, they want to change the conditions in their workplace, they want to form a union, and then reaching out to unions to figure out who, who will work with them to do so. And I think that is something we haven't seen at this level for a very long time. And some unions have been adjusting and figuring out how to how to work in this new world not everybody i also think we're seeing you know with some of the new leadership of the california labor federation a real desire interest to support and address this increased in interest in organizing to make sure it succeeds well it's a fascinating time ken i'm, I'm sure especially for you i appreciate your insights thank you so much thank you 
Ken Jacobs is a labor expert and directs the UC Berkeley Center for Labor Research and Education. Learn more about the center at laborcenter.berkeley.edu. To follow developments on the UC strike, visit sfchronicle.com and the Chronicle app. Thank you to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening.